Y'all know I am Bachelor Nation. Y'all know I watch every episode of The Bachelor, The Bachelorette. Okay, judge me if you want. But the greatest thing I believe that ever came out of The Bachelor is my buddy, Ben Higgins. Ben is best known from season 20 of The Bachelor. And listen, his show led to his social media platform exploding, but now he literally uses it to bring faith and hope for humanity. He also loves sports. And he, he he talks every single week on his podcast, Hope Still Wins. Um, with influential thought leaders, he discusses topics ranging from faith and music to mental health and racial injustice. Nothing is off limits with Ben. Some of my favorite episodes, he did one with Sadie Robertson Huff. Uh, he did one with Chelsea and Judah Smith. And he talks about uh, Hope Still Wins in Sex, Singleness, and Forgiveness. Um, he talks a lot to his parents. He talks about falling in love. It's an incredible episode. I think you guys are going to really love it. So this is what you guys can do. You you can subscribe and follow wherever you listen to podcasts. Just search for Hope Still Wins and also join the Instagram community at Hope Still Wins. Live from Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, Thursday, March 24th, 2022. This is episode 51 of the Human Hope Podcast. I got a question. Y'all ready for this? Come on. Hey. Yeah. Bounce, bounce, bounce with me, bounce with me. Come on, come on. That's right. All right, listen. Oh my goodness. We are back at it, and I am coming to you live from East Tennessee. That's right, from the Ramsey Hotel in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. For episode 51, this is your host, Carlos Enrique Whitaker Guzman Archibald Cabello, or Los for short. It is 5.41 p.m., and I'm about to hop into my interview for this podcast. Uh, yeah, that's right. Today, you get an actual expert on experts of experts. Uh, I'll get to our guests in a second. You guys, this one, this one, this one is uh, is going to drop some hope. I'm so grateful uh, for the opportunity to interview who uh, I interview. I'm not going to tell you who it is yet, although you, you've already seen it on the title if you pay attention. But I want to talk to you about something for a second. I am in... Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. Now, listen, I need you. I need y'all to know if you've never heard of Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, I'm like way east in Tennessee, right? Nashville is middle Tennessee. Memphis is west Tennessee. And Gatlinburg Pigeon Forge is east Tennessee. Now, there's more cities east of here, but I, I need <laughs> I need you to understand what what this place is. Okay. It is like a Riviera of Tennesseans that are on vacation. It's like if Las Vegas were to be plucked up from the desert of Nevada, or do you call it Nevada, and dropped down here in uh, East Tennessee. Now, the only difference is you can't gamble, but there's all the other things, right? There's like the Ripley's Believe It or Not. There's like these museums. They've got like hotels that are built upside down so that like your rooms are upside. It's the craziest thing ever. Um, and there's also not any gambling. Uh, there's not a lot of alcohol. It's like really like holistic family fun. There's like Bible verses on billboards. It's like if, if Vegas uh, died, went to heaven 
or maybe like like Vegas, like before it died, like got saved and went to heaven, and then, uh, but like sprinkled in with like some, you know, like just a little bit of sin, you know, just just like I mean, this. <laughs> I don't know. Has anyone ever explained Pigeon Forge <laughs> like that before? This place is mind blowing. It is crazy. There's go kart tracks. There's golf course court or putt putt courses. Many golf courses everywhere. Lots of of uh, what do you call tie dye and. What's the spray painted t-shirts called? Um, paintbrush. It's just, it's just something different. So I'm here. I'm in Pigeon Forge. I'm from, I'm with a, an event. Um, I'm speaking at an event tonight, like literally in two hours that I'm really excited about, but I just need to let you know where I'm at. And and can I tell you the one thing that I was thinking when, uh, when, when I pulled into Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, right? When I pulled in and I saw like, you know, like the big, like there's a big King Kong climbing, uh, you know, whatever building in New York city with a big flag at the top. You know, I drove in, there's like a, you know, I literally I had four trucks. This is not an exaggeration. I have this recorded on my phone, four trucks with let's go Brandon flags, like just coming by me, like honking the horn. I'm in, I'm in it. <laughs> I am in it. And this is all I kept thinking the whole time I'm here. And this is not a normal thought. I'll go ahead and just let you guys know this is this is normal. But this is what I think. I'm thinking to myself like, okay, so if it's like Vegas, it is. It looks like Vegas, um, like the Strip, right? But just like a lower key, like lower budget version. Uh, can you come here to Pigeon Forge? Somebody tell me that lives around here. Um, can you come here and like ball out? Like, is there like the VIP baller Pigeon Forge Gatlinburg um, experience? You know, like, like, you know, like Vegas, there's like the VIP lounges with the Cristal. Like, is that available here? And if it is, I need somebody to loan me like, I don't know, five grand so that I can come to Pigeon Forge and experience it like a rich Southern Tennessee person would. Like, I know, like there, I mean, maybe there's like, like dinner with Dolly Parton. Like, I don't know, like this place is fascinating. Now this, I always tell people this about East Tennessee and like Pigeon Forge and Gatlinburg. It's fun. It's like, like total family friendly fun. It's, it's great to bring your family here, right? Like you're, you don't have to walk down, you know, you don't have to walk around worried about your kids seeing things that they shouldn't see like they do if they're in Las Vegas. Um, but this, this, this is about to be the the commercial for Pigeon Forge. Like the strip of Pigeon Forge isn't where it's at, right? Like it's fun to see once, but what I'm doing tomorrow is like, I, I'm going to speak tonight, but then tomorrow I am going to wake up in the morning and I'm taking my fly fishing rod and I'm meeting my buddy, David, and we're going in the woods and we're going to fish and I'm going to fish for like six hours and I'm going to try to find trout and I'm going to just slow down, take a day off tomorrow. I'm really excited. East Tennessee is glorious. It's beautiful. And it's not old Gatlinburg and Pigeon Forge. Although those are fun aspects of it. Kind of like, you know, Vegas isn't really the desert, right? Like it's a desert, but it's not the desert. Same thing here. What a little tangent on Pigeon Forge. I never thought, but there's, there's some instant familiar here. Like I, I got, I, I literally just posted up one picture of the sunset. I said, I'm in Pigeon Forge. And the instant family is like, hey, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. Uh, can we have a meetup? Which is no, like we're not having a meetup only because I got a fish tomorrow. Okay. And then I'm back to Nashville. Um, but I'm just grateful to be, you know, in East Tennessee. I'm grateful to be working, traveling, uh, doing the things that I love. Uh, thank you guys so much for just, 
you know, all the conversation that came from last week's episode. Uh, again, I'm just really appreciative. Also knowing that people don't listen to this podcast, like in order. I've got, I'm getting, you know, more and more Instagram followers, which are hopping in. And now there's 51, there's almost a year's worth of podcast episodes. I, I still can't even believe I've pulled this off that many weeks in a row. Um, but let's get into today's conversation. This one is, this one, the way it happened uh, was, is pretty cool. So, you know, like as a, as somebody that, that is on Instagram, I am constantly looking for, um, you know, I'm, I'm constantly looking for the stories and people of influence and a lot of people that maybe you, you've never heard of before to come on, um, on the show. And well, I guess it was, it was literally only two days ago. I had, I had posted on Instagram. I, I posted, I had a post, um, and it said, let's see here. Oh yeah. Are we building others up or tearing others down? Are we loving the outcast or casting more out? Are we rescuing refugees or researching rabbit holes? Now there's a lot to touch on, on that post, but nonetheless, um, it, you know, I, I felt like it was, um, uh, people got it right. Like it wasn't one of my most popular posts, but well, again, I'm not, I'm not just putting things up to be popular. I'm put, putting my heart up and I, I can see when people, you know, repost my stuff. Like I can see it. Like that's, that's one of the cool things about Instagram is you can actually see who and what and when people are reposting what you post. And I noticed that there was somebody that reposted uh, with PhD at the end of their name. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm always interested when a way smarter human than me um, posts what I'm talking about, <laughs> right? So like if somebody's got a PhD, that means that they are smarter than I am. So I clicked on her account and she is a PhD licensed psychologist. And I start kind of digging around. Her name's Carolyn Rubenstein. Okay. Already like that, that is a PhD licensed psychologist name. If I've ever heard one and Carolyn, um, I'm, you know, I'm poking around on her Instagram profile. Um, it says that she is, uh, she specializes in anxiety in burnout and in perfection. Okay. She's gone to school at Duke, at Harvard, and University of Miami. She's been featured on BBC, PBS, Forbes, Forbes. Um, and like I'm 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 dink, you know, dinking around. And that that sounded bad. I'm dinking around. <laughs> and, you know, I'm I'm looking like she's got she's got reels on lessons learned while navigating depression. Um, you know, how do we build endurance? Um, if you know nothing about anxiety, but are struggling, start here, you know, tips for how to handle, how to handle relationship anxiety. I'm like, okay, like this, this is pretty cool. She's got like 30, almost 30,000 followers. So I'm poking around. And then like, I look at her highlights and she's got a highlight called eSports. Now, if you don't know what eSports are, it's like electronic sports, right? It's games, video games is what it is. So I click on it and you know, I'm looking and the, her first slide is like, never thought I would be watching video game competitions. Both kids cheering on misfit GG at BS P O oh, spoon T. And I'm like, what the heck, what, what the heck's happening here? And then like, I keep clicking and she's like literally watching like Fortnite, Minecraft, Madden, um, all these video game 
competitions. Like she is cheering them on. And I'm like, wait, wait, how can you be a psychologist and also into video games? Because aren't video games and psychologists aren't like they, they're, they're enemies, right? Like they, psychologists believe that video games are destroying the minds of our children. So I start looking more and more and I start digging and I'm like, wait a second. She is actually the chief wellness officer, the chief wellness officer for Misfits Gaming. It's Misfits Gaming um, is a video game. I mean, I don't know, like a league and they have 356,000 followers. Now, (laughs) my son is really into video games. I was really into video games. I know a lot of you are either into video games or you have kids or nieces and nephews that are into video games. And all we're getting from mainstream media is how negative video games are and how horrible they are for our kids' brains, yada, yada, yada. That's what, you know, that's what I hear. But then here comes Mrs. Carolyn Rubenstein, Carolyn, PhD, Dr. Rubenstein, who is working alongside professional video game players. And boom, at this point I was hooked. Now, something you guys may not know about me, I actually played competitively John Madden football, like 2000, more like 97 to 2000, right? That's like PlayStation one days. I would play money, pay money to enter these competitions and then win money if I did well. I've, I still play video games. Like I still play Tony Hawk. I still play Madden. I still play FIFA. I am in my late forties and I love video games. My son loves video games too. It's a balance, right? It's, it's a balance. And, and so I, I thought to myself, I'm going to reach out to Dr. Rubenstein and see if she'll come on the podcast to talk to us about a few things. First of all, she's a psychologist. So since she's, she's a psychologist, we can talk to her about more than just video games. So this is what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to talk about like content consumption, how to do it wisely. Like what is it doing to our brains? Like bad news versus good news doesn't matter. We're going to talk about like help with anxious lifestyles. That's what she does. She talks about anxiety. She helps people with anxiety in her private practice. So those of you that are struggling with anxiety, I know I've talked about this a lot here, uh, but now we're getting a different perspective from an actual psychologist. Fantastic. What are some practical things we can do to lessen anxiety and maybe calm some of these illogical fears? Um, and then we're also going to be talking about gaming and mental health, right? How much is too much for the kids or adults like me? Uh, how to walk with our kids and their desire to play video games without an all or nothing approach. Uh, and then we kind of touch on the just the human mind and the need, uh, some people's need to find truth in, a, in, a, in an unhealthy way, right? Quote, unquote, uh, i.e. conspiracy theories. We, we start talking about those a little bit. Um, again, I'm not calling anybody a conspiracy theorist and I've actually like admit to some that I, you know, like I actually can fall victim to the whole conspiracy theory thing as well, right? And they may be a little bit more fun than what you would hear on the news, like, you know, dumb ones like Bigfoot or whatever those things are, right? But but it, it it's all the same, right? We, we can all, if we're not careful, fall victim to not believing there's any sort of truth, like truth, always believing there's some some lie in, in between us and truth and never believing anything and you know, and basically I ask her about the dangers of those kind of things. So 
listen, this is going to be, and then we wing, wing some conversations. It's going to be a really fun, enjoyable, enlightening, hope-filled conversation with our brand new friend, literally our brand new friend, Dr. Caroline Rubenstein. If you guys want to follow her um, on, on Instagram, you guys can head over to, uh, it's at Caroline, C-A-R-O-L-Y-N, Rubenstein, that's R-U-B-E-N-S-T-E-I-N, PhD. And she's incredible and you guys are going to love her. And she is part of the Insta Familia and also the Human Hope Familia. So amigos and amigas, sit back and enjoy this brilliant and wonderfully insightful conversation with our new friend, Dr. Caroline Rubenstein. Okay, Human Hope Familia, uh, I am so excited that this podcast guest just uh, like I begged her in a, like and twelve hours ago, and she's like, "Sure, I'll come on your podcast." And we are with—is it Doctor Carolyn Rubenstein? It is. It is. But call me Carolyn because we're okay. family now, right? We're so family. Fam- yes. You're, come on. You're yeah. Insta Familia. You are. You I, are. I better there. be. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I love it. You are Insta Familia and um, Carolyn. So yeah. why don't you do us a, do us a favor and just kind of introduce yourself and let us know, you know, what it is you do and maybe why it is you do it. Oh, that's that's the like million dollar question. That's right. Like, the why that's part. right. Okay. Yeah. So the, the the first part is easy. So I'm Dr. Kellen Rubenstein. I'm a psychologist. Um, I'm human. I think that's first and foremost. Yes. I'm a human, um, a very imperfect human at that. Um, I'm a mom of two little kids okay. and I am married to the CEO of a major esports organization. And wow. so have entered esports as a psychologist. Wow. Um, and have been there on the ground floor since day one and have become within the past year, the chief wellness advisor for Misfits Gaming Group. And so have been kind of knee deep in gaming um, and mental health and wellness, in addition to my private practice, which focuses on anxiety and burnout and performance. And they they very much overlap. So uh, it's a fascinating combination. There's never a dull day. Never. Never, never, never. Never. Okay, so so, so besides- I didn't answer the why. Yeah, 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 yeah. So go ahead and get to the why. The why. Okay. So I hate blood. So I always loved medicine, hated blood. So I was not going to become a doctor in the medical like body sense. That was why I was like, I'm going to faint if I walk in there and and it's not going to work. But the reason was that I, from a young age, and this is also an interesting thing is I grew up going to a camp for children with cancer. I never had cancer as a child. And so my parents' friends ran a camp and that was my summer camp experience as a child. And so a lot of my friends growing up had cancer, became survivors. Um, Some of them passed away, but my whole life growing up, how I connected with people, how I helped, how we stayed friends, all of that was, I couldn't help the physical part at all. Yeah. Um, the only thing I could do was connect with them on a human level. I would write letters. I would do that. But I saw the impact of yeah. the mental side of things from a very early age. I didn't know about psychology or what that meant until much sure. later on. But then it kind of all came together. And I realized the power of the human mind, wow. um, of human connection, and what that does on a physical, emotional level uh, for people. And so it, it just all came together and made so much sense. And it is the current and the kind of the why that 
pushes me every day. Yeah. Um, yeah. To do this. Yeah. Well, okay. So this is so intriguing. Uh, I'll be honest mm. with you. One of the, one of the main things when I was on your Instagram profile, you know, so yeah. I'm like, okay, psychologist, but the very first thing in like your highlights was esports, And, uh-huh. um, and I was like, wait a second, like, Wait, this is this is very interesting. So, mm-hmm. l- why don't we go ahead for the human hope listeners that have no idea what esports even is? Why don't you oh, don't explain? Put, that's a lot of pressure. <laughs> that's a lot of pressure. I love it. <laughs> why don't I? Uh, you're uh, the former Madden player. Well, listen. So. Uh, well, hey, listen. I, yeah, I mean, we can say former former when I was playing in 20s, but I'm, I am definitely You're still, still, I, I'm still the 18 year olds come over to my house and, oh. and I still have my audible set up to where I can, I can, I can throw a 70 yard bomb any point, you know, like I'm in, I'm in. So, so you're yeah. In, so you're in, so e-sports. you married, you married yeah. an esportser and tell us a little it. bit about that. I did not He wasn't, he entered it. Oh, as okay. Married. Okay. Okay. High school sweetheart. So oh, he navigated this even better. So we kind of entered this world together in many ways. Um, but what esports is, it's competitive video gaming, right? So you're watching video game players play on a competitive level. And so you're watching just like you would a basketball team um, play other basketball teams. Um, but there are leagues for different games. And so that's very confusing, I know, as a non-video game player. But you're just watching these people in Madison Square Garden, you know, in major, major arenas, also on Twitch um, and uh-huh. on other online platforms. And it is so big, far bigger than I think anyone ever realized it Absolutely. could be. And such a great way for people to come together and yeah. be united over something. Just be not just passively playing a game or watching someone play, but getting involved, rooting for their teams, yeah. going to watch parties, things like that. And it's it's just it's been amazing to see at that level um yeah. esports. Well, okay. So, so you, you mentioned something that I think is going to blow people's minds. You said, um, you said that people are gathering in Madison square garden. People are gathering in arenas to watch people play video games. Mm -hmm. I know it's, 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 I, and I've been there. Okay. I've seen it firsthand. (laughs) When I saw it firsthand, I'm like, this is, there's something else going on here. (laughs) This is not for video games. No. And then they're like, it's sold out. And I'm like, no, it can't be. And it is, it's sold out and they're sold out over and over and over again. And it is truly remarkable. And it's not just teenagers. You're seeing families, you're seeing, you're you're seeing all these different types of people unite over this love, just like you would at a sports game. Sure. And so it's really amazing. And I love seeing the families come. I think that's the best part. um, Seeing families come to these things. And I've come, I've gone to a lot of events at this point. Okay. Um, and been able to people watch and do all of that uh-huh, and see uh-huh. how it brings people together and heard yeah. story after story about how it's united families and create a connection that maybe never would have existed wow. um, before. Okay. So um, let's, um, well, I, I want to go ahead and touch for a second on the fact that, yes, I used to play every weekend when I was uh-huh. uh, in college and I had my PlayStation one. Okay. So like the very first okay. one, when, when Madden players, you know, in 97 were real blocky, <laughs> but, but there were, you know, there were like uh, chat rooms online that you could, you know, find out in LA or wherever, wherever it was different, co- you know, leagues that were forming and you would go and you would play and, you know, we'd put in 20 bucks and then the winner would take home 200 bucks. And that was kind of the extent of it. But I loved, I just love video games. And I always have here, I'm in my late forties 
And so mm-hmm. I kind of came, I came of age when video games were, you know, the Atari and the Nintendo and, you know, the early PlayStations and the Dreamcast were all, you know, really bringing my friends together. And now let's go ahead and talk about the elephant in the room. Now there, there's, I feel like so much more negative press and negative media when it comes to video games. It's like they're ruining our children. Uh, they're ruining their brains. They're you know ruining their developmental skills and their social skills and all of these things. I want you to 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 talk to I know yeah exactly I love this I want you to oh, talk to yeah. the you know just just, go, just talk to the the parents out there that are listening there's a lot of parents that that have probably kids your age and a little older um, that are like wow my my kid they want to play video games but I keep hearing all these horrible things about video games but you're yeah. seeing the flip side you're seeing um, yeah. video games actually bringing people together so I'm I'm just throwing that big bomb out there and just gonna let you talk for a few minutes about that oh. Don't worry. I've I've presented in professional conferences to other researchers on this, and really? it has been. It was the scariest experience of my life. So this yes. is nothing. Oh, this is nothing. Okay, oh, this I love is it. nothing. But I so I've, I've had to do a deep dive into the research, and so yeah. I know the research inside and out at this point on okay. on video gaming and Give mental it to health. Us. And I think first talking to parents because I, I I hear from parents all the time. They yeah. are scared. I am a parent. I get it. It's an unknown if you haven't played video games. It's foreign territory. You don't understand it. Step one, get to know video games, right? So get to understand it. Become educated. Learn the language. Learn the games. There are so many resources that explain it for beginners, explain it for parents. Once you understand it, it's far less scary, right? And there are games that seven-year-olds shouldn't be playing. Right. There are games that are so much more developmentally appropriate for older kids. And so you want to make sure that you are, you know, being educated on that. You want to communicate. You want to talk. And so that's the most important thing. Step one. Step two, no all or nothing approach. I I hate hearing parents say my kid loves video gaming. um, But you know what? I don't I don't agree with it. So I'm just going to I'm going to pull it. And, you know, pull the plug on it and that's it. And that creates oftentimes such a rupture between the parents and the kids, Um, as with anything, right, that all or nothing approach. And so I say the opposite. Put the video games in the living room, put Mm. them out in the open rather than having kids in their bedrooms hidden away. Make it something that the family like if they're going to play, like play outside, connect over it. Watch them just like you would watch them play soccer, practice soccer. Right. Watch them practice, like make it something that is something that you are able to understand. Have them explain it to you. It's a point of connection. It doesn't have to be the scary thing that disconnects us. Right. Um, And I see that as parents now able to connect with kids, especially like adolescents, where Uh there is a time where there can be more disconnection, where you can start to connect with them rather than kind of having that divide get bigger and bigger. Um, And so going into the research and what you see, these big, scary, flashy things on the media, Uh what we've seen is that most of the research that has been done, which is based on pretty old kind of um, games and mm-hmm. kind of stereotypes has been done, first of all, based on self-report. So it's kids okay. saying, oh, I play, t- I play 24 seven sure. or uh, I don't sleep or it's it, self-report is very, very much 
It's not objective. It's very sure. subjective. It's not the most reliable research strategy right. that we have. Um, so that's number one. Number two is when they have been studied using more appropriate strategies, we've looked at the most extremes. So we've looked at players, gamers that are playing, let's say, 18 hours a day, seven okay. days a week. Right. Um, and we're not ruling out other things. We're not ruling out other underlying um issues or factors. We're just looking at gaming. Uh And so that's not satisfactory in any psychological research, right? We want to look at all the factors, all the correlates, all of that. With gaming, we've kind of gotten into this place where the research just hasn't been very good so far. Uh It is getting better. Research is slow. And so there is going to be more research that's going to come out that's going to show a more moderate kind of, if you play, you know, a more moderate level, your functioning is normal, all of that, that it isn't a big deal. I've seen players at the most extreme level, right? So they Mm -hmm. are professional gamers and I've seen them from the ages of six, you know, 14, let's say to 30. And the most high functioning, socially adaptable, so good, wonderful humans that I have around my kids that I am, I just want to bring these people and I want to show, because this is the opposite of what the media presents. And so, you know, you're seeing the opposite and there is, you know, there is a reason. Most of the time what you see is that their families are behind them, that they Mm. did support them. They understood that. You also will see that there was a community that they created, right? Wow. And was it because they were good and they connected with more people because of that or whatnot? But they weren't isolated, right? They mm. became more connected through it, um, and they also had more balance. Yeah. They're not just gaming. A lot of them are. They play games, but they're also artists. They're creative right. individuals, right? They're doing a lot of other things as well. And that's the first thing with any of our professional gamers when I'm looking at them is. We cut down on the number of hours they're playing per day because with anything, uh-huh. you can burn, you'll burn out, right? With yeah. absolutely anything that you do. So it's like you have to do that. You also have to go to the gym, right? You got to, yeah. just like any pro athlete, you have to balance out everything. And so it's moderation. And I think that's the key message with anything, yeah. you know, in excess, nothing is good. In excess, nothing is good. Listen, she is going to continue to drop these dimes up, up in your mug. The rest of this podcast, so much good wisdom coming from Dr. Carolyn. Thank you so much. We're going to get back to that conversation in just a second. But I want to talk about for just a second. Do you want to become 30% happier in 30 days? Well, Americans are the unhappiest they've been since the Great Depression. And Dr. Daniel Amen's new book, You Happier, can be part of the antidote. Learn the seven neuroscience secrets of feeling good based on your brain type. Happiness is not a one size fits all. Dr. Amen has discovered five primary brain types and seven neuroscience secrets that influence happiness. In You Happier, he explains them and offers practical science-based strategies for optimizing your happiness. Plus, he'll teach you how to make seven simple decisions and ask seven daily questions to enhance your happiness. Creating consistent happiness is a daily journey. Learn to make choices that will boost your mood and help you live each day with clearly defined values, purpose, and goals. Visit youhappier.com to learn more. Now back to our conversation with Dr. Carolyn Rubenstein. Sure. You know, while you were saying that, I was thinking of um, you know, there was just the number one female tennis player in the world. She's 25 years old. She just announced her retirement today. 
or it may have been yesterday. And Pete, you know, people on Twitter are freaking out and they're like, oh my gosh, she's at the peak of her. And she said, she said, I don't have the mental bandwidth anymore to be able to compete at the highest level. I am burnt out on it. And so, you know, you think to yourself, I, I think I think we do a disservice by saying, oh, well, you know, that's okay that she uh, burnt herself out playing physical tennis. But, you know, I, I, I feel like like there's, um, it's just not fair the way we're like, well, yes, yeah, she can burn herself out. But guess what? If she would have probably applied some of the principles that you're talking about applying, even in professional gaming, you just have mm-hmm. to make sure that you're constantly... Um, thinking about where it, where the headspace is, where your soul is, uh, where your ethos is when it comes to all this stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. It's that yeah. constant check-in with yourself and not getting lost and disconnected from yourself. You know, yeah. and I think that for anyone in anything, that's the most important part or you burn out, you know, even yeah. parenting or <laughs> any aspect of our life. Once you start to disconnect from yourself and your needs and taking care of yourself at a very basic fundamental level, uh-huh. you lose, you start to lose out, you burn out. Yeah. Yeah. What, what would you say to parents that, that are like, okay, well, should I, you know, should I make my kids run around the yard for as many hours as as they're, you know, playing on the video games? And, you know, what do you say to parents that are like looking for like that, that tactical thing? You know, they, they just want something to know that they're okay. We we finally found Carolyn. Like we found somebody that's telling us that it's okay. Um, but, but maybe give me something that I can do to make sure that my kid is, is doing it right. And isn't going to burn out with it. Yeah, I would say just like anything else, like make sure are they are they, you know, accomplishing their homework? Is the homework getting done? Are they eating their, you know, the the dinner? Are they exercising? Like, you know, did they have, you know, do sports at school that day? Are they already kind of physically exhausted? Each person's going to be so different. Some kids need to get out a lot of physical energy. A lot of kids, you know, are playing sports a lot during the day at school and recess and things like that. And so based on your kid, look at your kid and see kind of where they're at. Are they coming home, you know, pretty late at the end of the day? And it's like, they only have 30 minutes, you know, to unwind before they do homework and gaming for them is a great way to kind of help them to kind of reset and kind of, get them into the mindset for doing homework, having dinner, and it's a good, you know, shift. But I think for every family and every family's needs, it's going to be different. It's playing around with it. It's experimenting just like you would with nutrition, right? And like saying that this is what every, you know, every child should eat exactly this, um, or every child should watch exactly this much TV every night or not, not use the iPad or Mm. should not go online or should not text their friends. Or I think those rules, when you apply it to a mass, to the masses, it doesn't help because every person is so different. Every family, every child is so different and you have to take that into account. And I think each parent knows their child the best um, and knows, you know, exactly kind of let's, let's play around. You know, if, if, if playing games, when you get home, doesn't work, then we'll try Uh something different the next night. So there's no, hard and fast rules. Yeah, no, I love that. And and I love what you said about, it was one of the first things you said about getting involved with the gaming get as a parent, you know, I'll, I'll never forget, you know, we went through a, a pretty, pretty tough spell fit with my daughter when she was 17 years old. She went um, into Vanderbilt university medical center. She had problems with her lungs. She was in the hospital for 21 days. Our family was, um, we were, you know, we were at our are kind of, you know, pushed to our limits as far as like, wow, my wife's in the hospital with her. I've got my two others at home. You know, we're trying to balance everything. And my son at the time um, was really into Fortnite. He was just, you know, he, he was playing it, you know, all the time with his friends. And listen, as a dad, like 
I mean, at the time I was what, 43. I, I was like, what is this game? I don't get it. You know, he's always playing it. Um, and he was like, dad, I really would like for you to play this with me. And I remember thinking to myself, you know what? I'm going to download it on my phone. And, and because I travel a lot and you can play each other, you know, from with most games now, Mm -hmm. wherever you're at. So I downloaded it on my phone and he was, I, I don't think I remember seeing him as excited as when I said, Hey buddy, I downloaded Fortnite and I like, (laughs) I set up an account and he was like, Oh my gosh, dad, hold on. I'm going to FaceTime you right now. And then we ended up playing that night for like four hours, just me and him. It was just me and him. I'm talking to him. I don't think I've talked to my son. I talked to my son for four straight hours in a long, long time. And it became our thing. It became, you know, the thing to where I'll be honest with you. Like I really enjoyed the game to to where I was playing it without him. Like I'm like, I'm in like Delta. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I'm like in Delta sky clubs with my headphones on playing Fortnite, trying to win. Uh, but it became something that we did connect over. And, uh, and yeah, I, I just love the the fact that you're like video games don't have to be scary. Uh, they, they're, there's something that can actually bring families together. Well, and I think the thing that's too that I got chills when you're saying that is that oftentimes when you're playing the game, you're not actually talking about the game, right? right. And so kids will kids will unload and talk about other things that they would never talk about because it disarms them and they yeah. will open up and it is it's so powerful. It's so yeah. powerful. It's such a powerful way to connect um, yeah. that I think a lot of parents are missing out on. Absolutely. And I would I would tell some parents, listen, if your kid is good at gaming. I want to let you know, I know the amount of money that that some e-sporters oh. are making. Oh, yeah. I know, I know the amount of, and it, like they actually, like this is actually, I think it's going to surprise a lot of parents in the next 10 years is going to be a career, a, a career opportunity. It may not be in the gaming, you know, in being a player themselves, but the, just the esports and just the gaming community in general oh. is just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And I, I just think we don't need to push our kids away from it uh, when it could, it's, it's probably a big part of their future. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the infrastructure around it. Right. So it's yeah. like you can go into marketing, you can go into wellness right now. There's esports psychology. There's like wow. all these areas around it that you can go into that is it's it's fascinating. So if your kid isn't or it's coding, it's actually creating right. the games. And yeah. it's it, there's such a bigger world than actually being the, the, the gamer that's on the stage. Right. right. The chances of that happening are very yep. tiny at this yep. point of becoming one of those big, big, big stars. Um, but it's. You can dream, right? That's right. That's, That's right. It, yeah, it, you can all, dream. It starts to say it starts with a computer or whatever you know, whatever uh-huh. you're playing with, and that's yeah, and it's just amazing. I love it. No, so good. Um, wow. Okay. So hopefully, some of the human hope listeners, the familia, are listening, yeah. going like, okay, I feel. I feel a little bit of breath in my lungs. I feel a little bit more breath, you yeah. know, because because we're having to manage a lot, right, Carolyn? Like we're okay. we're having to manage so much with parenting, and then even like, you know, our our marriages or significant others, whatever relationship status you find yourself in, or your friendships, and then now, you know, I I feel like we are in a at a point in um well let's just say a point in in the age of humanity where. There, there's probably more anxiety just sweeping across the planet than than ever before. Not to say there wasn't anxiety 200 years ago. Not to say that there wasn't, but but we we're 
being given the opportunity to be anxious in more ways than we've ever been given that opportunity. So, you know, as I was, as I was, um, you know, stalking you for the last 24 hours and looking at oh all, I'm scared. All, I'm a little no, scared now. No, don't be, don't be, don't be. Uh, all of all, just you, you have so many great resources on your Instagram. And again, uh, everyone, um, you know, follow her Instagram. It's Carolyn uh, Rubenstein. That's R U B E. Let me spell the whole thing C A R O L Y N R U B E N S T E I N. PhD. And you, you really specialize again, like, like you said, on anxiety, burnout and perfection. So let's just, let's go to the, just the big one right away. Anxiety. Now I've talked a lot about anxiety on this podcast. I've talked about my own struggles with anxiety. I've talked about how I've, you know, battled through seasons of anxiety. Uh, but you being somebody that is researching this, you know, right now, why don't you give us maybe, um, in two steps, give us maybe the bad news first and then the good news second. Give us, give us like, like what you see as far as like, okay, this is why we're anxious. This is, this is why we are where we are. And then give us the good news on, you don't have to continue to exist in that space. Yeah. So I think right now we are in the most fertile ground for anxiety. That's a great word. It is. We, if there could ever be like, if, you know, we could engineer a situation for anxiety, this is it. Um, and it is, you wake up every day and there are more opportunities to fuel your anxiety Yeah. and anxiety loves fuel. It loves to get bigger. It loves to get louder. It loves to get scarier. And that's what we're seeing every single day. And it's, it almost becomes addicting, Mm. um, where there's so much change and there's so much, that you can't control that people start to get really comfortable with anxiety being around all the time. Um, And the idea of it not being around can be pretty scary. People don't oftentimes recognize this consciously at the beginning, but once you start to begin to get some control over it or be a, begin to minimize it, you're starting to realize like, this is kind of scary. Mm-hmm. I'm used to this loud voice being in my ear all the time and these kind of panic buttons going off 24 seven. Um, and I think for many reasons, it's a survival mechanism. We need anxiety to survive. Right. Uh, and so going through a, a, a pandemic, right. Going through beyond, but I think any, you know, I, any other generation has gone through in terms of not just a pandemic, but every aspect Mm. of human existence, um, identity, political, um, just ideal, every aspect of human existence has been taken and put on this fear pedestal where you are given the ingredients to fuel your anxiety about it. Um, And so every single day you have the option to decide, like, I'm going to continue to fuel and consume and to kind of grow this anxiety that I have about whatever it is. I think at this point, everyone has anxiety maybe about something different or um, or just broadly or just anxious about absolutely everything going on. And so recognizing that you have a choice over what you consume, how you feel your anxiety, but also recognizing step one, I'm anxious, right? Like Mm. naming that for yourself. Like, okay, all right, let's just, let's just get to the like basics. I'm waking up today. I'm an anxious human being. Like Mm. I'm feeling it in my body. I feel it in my nervous system. I feel it in my brain. And it's telling me right now that I need to check the news or I need to check whatever it is um, in order to kind of 
feed it, right? Mm. To respond to that angst inside of me. Yeah. And in that moment, you can ask the question, why? Right. So why do I need to do this in this moment? Uh And you have a choice. And so with anxiety, it's all about naming it, recognizing it. Okay. You do not want anxiety unless you are being chased, um, which honestly can be the situation. Yeah. Unless you're being chased and you are truly in danger, you do not want anxiety to be what's motivating your actions. Wow. So if anxiety is the motivation, pause. And at least if you are going to let anxiety be your motivation, I want you to be very consciously aware of it. Like I'm yeah. going to check the news because my anxiety is telling me to. Wow. And I want you to at least own that. Just own yeah, it. at least say it. Just yeah. Own, at least own that. And if you're good with that, that's fine. But I don't think a lot of us want to be kind of on a leash where anxiety yeah. is telling us where to go. Yeah. Um, and so it's about saying, you know what, actually, I'm gonna do something else before I do that. Um, or I'm going to wait a little bit. You know, I think right now I'm, I woke up, my heart rate is through the roof. I'm a nervous wreck. I think I need to slow down a little bit. I think I need to come back to me. Um, and for me, that's like, can be movement, like doing something that's completely disconnected from any media, anything Mm -hmm. like that. It's moving my body, figuring out how I feel at a physical level, because I'm a very, I'm a thinker. Anxiety loves to think. And so getting to the body is really important if you're an anxious person, because you disconnect from your body pretty much all day. And so to be able to connect with your body and realize like, okay, I'm feeling really tense. I'm feeling more tense than usual. And to start with that, you kind of recognize, okay, what do I need today to release some of this tension? And that might be, I need to consume less media, or I need to take time to connect more with people that are fueling for me in a positive way, but it's just getting down to basics, right? So rather than letting your anxiety tell you what to do and letting the external world tell you how to react to your day, getting back to what do I need? What do I need to do to move forward? And going from there, because I think otherwise we're stuck in this cycle that I think a lot of us are stuck in, where it's just day after day after day, we're being led by anxiety forward. And it's scary. It's really, really scary. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, the the cycle that you're talking about and the cycle yeah. of, you know, okay, wow. Like um, I've, I, I'm, j- maybe this is something that I'm just going to have to live with the rest of my life. Maybe this is just something, mm-hmm. uh, is there, is, have you seen people in your work and in your practice um, and in your research, people that have been like extremely anxious humans um, get to a place where they're, they're no longer run by anxious and not saying that we won't be anxious because we're all human. And that's a, uh, that's part of humanity, right? Like we want to be anxious if that's why I feel the way I do when the police car pulls up behind me. Like that's, that is true right. anxiousness, right? That, right. that comes over me. Uh, I'm grateful for that feeling in me, but have you mm-hmm. seen people that have been freed from this? Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. Every day. That's why I do what I do. Uh, it's I, I'm one of those people, right? Oh, like, wow. I, yeah. I, oh yeah, totally. Like I, anxiety was, I'm an anxious, I am anxious, right? I'm anxious right now. So my anxiety is telling me to run in the opposite direction, get off. <laughs> I don't know anything, <laughs> right? It's telling me, I don't sure. know anything. It also told me before, like I need to research anxiety. I know nothing about anxiety. Wow. Um, I need to learn. I need to research esports. Like I know nothing about esports. Yeah. Right? Anxiety is trying to scare me into thinking that I don't know anything. I need to avoid, to run or yeah. not trust myself. Instead, I was like, okay, you know, like that's what the anxiety is telling me in the past yeah. would have led to me kind of, you know, listening to it. And 
ultimately coming on here and being like, here are some stats and like not being very connect, you know, not being able to connect with you because I'm just thinking about all the research I just did um, versus like trusting ourselves, trusting that I have enough information based on my experience um, and that we all are human and it's okay to make mistakes. And the anxiety is trying to protect me from showing up as human, from showing up as imperfect or, you know, it wants me to show up here and look like I am so intelligent that I know every stat imaginable and I'm an expert on this. Right. And so it's like, I get it. I know what things I is trying to do, but in this case, it's okay. I'm going to, I'm going to hold out and I will, I'll save that for a time. Maybe if I'm like in front of the Supreme court where maybe I need to like (laughs) defend the stats. Um, right. Like I will listen to it then, but for right now it's, it's not, it's not helping. It's not helping. And so it's okay to say like, I see you. I understand like what it's there for. And I'm not going to listen to it. I'm not going to follow what it's telling me to do. I love that. It's very empowering. It's very empowering to be able to recognize it's there and I don't have to do what it's telling me to do. That's so good. I don't have to do what it's telling me to do. You know, acknowledge it. I just think it's, you know, just make sure that you're in charge of the anxiety. The anxiety is not in charge of you. I just think that simple, you know, shift in perspective is so good. You know, thank you. Right. And I think so often, of course. And I think, I think for some people, right, like with maybe that have higher levels of anxiety, like it's taken, you know, that's where more it's kind of like, okay, first we have to calm your body down in order uh-huh. for you to be able to activate the more logical thinking in your brain. So it's getting yeah. very psychological. But like, yeah. so if someone's very panicky and they can't think of like one plus one, what that equals, like, yeah. okay, let's calm down your breathing first. Let's get your body to kind of calm down a little. Yeah. And then yeah. once you're able to think through logic, then you're able to respond to more of the logical part of anxiety. Yeah. And at its basis, it's, it is trying to protect you. But most of the time, we're okay without it. Yeah. We're okay. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. That's good. Is there a difference between just worrying about something and true anxiety. Cause I, sometimes I feel like people mm-hmm. are, are they use the word anxiety when honestly I'm like, well, no, I mean, that's just, that's a worry. That's a concern. Right. Is there a difference? Yeah. So worry is more like, Oh, it's like a, it's kind of like a, a thought, right? It's more cognitive, right? Like it's worry. Like you're, you're thinking about something like, Oh, I'm worried about that thing that could happen later. Anxiety is more so not just a thought. It's more consistent and persistent mm. uh, worries that are taking over in addition to not all the time, but a lot of the times there's a physical component, right? Your body also tends to have a physical response. And so the worry, in addition to that physical stress can Uh lead to what's called like generalized anxiety or an anxiety disorder. And that's where it's more persistent. You're feeling it most of the time on a consistent basis. And it's not just, oh, these random worries that I can right. kind of just put, you know, put away and, and notice yeah. them as worries. Anxiety can be very, very loud. Okay. Um, and worry sometimes is like a low hum, you know, okay. I guess yeah. you would say, it's at a lower volume. Um, yeah. Whereas anxiety is, can be hard to ignore at points. Yeah. No, that's great. And then, I mean, you know, for the people that are listening, a lot of times on my my podcast, um, you know, I'm constantly telling people to go to therapy, talk to somebody, um, make sure that, you know, you're not just trying to use Google to figure out how it is to, you know, fix your anxiety. Talk to, talk to us a little bit about how, obviously you're, um, you have a practice and this is something that you do. And I'd love to hear from, you know, I think people hear from me all the time. Why? Because I'm the one that goes to therapy. And so I'm like, well, this is why it helps me. I don't think they've actually heard from an actual therapist or a psychologist why therapy 
is so important. Why don't you give us from your perspective why you feel like it, it is important? Oh, sell it a little bit. Sell therapy. Yeah, sell it. Sell <laughs> I am it. like the biggest, I go to therapy too. Like any therapist it. that's not in therapy, do not trust. Oh, there um, we go. I love it. So definitely therapy is, it is, aside from the connection with your therapist, which truly that alone is probably healing and it is healing in itself yeah number one because you have support from someone outside of your immediate circle someone who's able to just kind of like unconditionally be there to listen to you hear you validate you um and also give you a perspective that is not tied to anyone else's needs or concerns which is pretty important um and so it's kind of a perspective shift which i love but also it's a way for you just yourself to say things out loud which hmm. a lot of the times we we might write things down we might say things in our head saying things out loud and verbalizing them to ourselves and to another human being is so empowering it is wow. it is just so cuz you're able to hear things and able yeah. to be like wow i cannot believe i've been stuck on that thought for so long when i say it out loud I don't really care. Like, it's not that big of a deal. On paper, it might look like it. In my head, it might feel like it. But when I say it and I see the other person not have like a huge reaction, like, oh my gosh, that is really scary. You should be really worried. And they're just like, okay. You know, like it has a very comforting effect. And so having the support, not just for yourself, but having that mirrored in someone Mm. else can be very regulating um, for you and help you if you are someone who tends to hyper respond to things, over respond or get overly scared to have someone to kind of keep you in check, keep things in check. um, And also just you don't feel alone in things. Mm. Right. So mental health and just human existence can feel very lonely, even if you're surrounded by people all the time. Absolutely. Because we're not sharing kind of the what's going what's the going on inside of our heads with everyone, even the closest people to us. And so just being able to share that with someone and kind of give them the run of that part of your life is it's just it's very helpful. It's very helpful to understand yourself and also just to be seen, to be mm. fully seen as not just kind of the physical part of what people can see in your actions, but also seen in what went through your mind, what you were feeling, that part, yeah. Yeah. Um, and giving importance to it. And I just think even if you're not having, you know, let's say major depression or have had a traumatic experience, it can be so helpful just like to help you to get to a place of flourishing mm-hmm. rather than just pure survival mode. Yeah. Ah, so good. So I, I literally could talk to you forever. I've got like a thousand. I could you're, talk you're, to you forever. <laughs> you're so, you're, you're just so well thought out and you, you know, I just, um, you're just so trustworthy in, in how you, you know, how you come across. Um, this is, this is a little bit different of a question and, you know, we'll, we'll kind of land, land the plane a little bit on, on maybe this part of the conversation. But, um, I, I feel like, you know, because there is so much information available to us, um, so much more information than ever, right? That that we have at our fingertips, we can find out anything. Um, that there there may be a and may, may, I may be making this up, but I I feel like you know you you may have done the research on this. I'm just telling you what I see on the internet. There there I'm starting to see some in some ways addiction to somehow trying to find 
the truth. Okay. Uh, what, what, whatever that may be. And, and what I find is because, you know, I can even fall into this in, in some ways, you know, I think we all can fall into this in some ways, but because there is so much information readily available to human beings at the touch of their, uh, of a telephone, telephone. I don't know who else actually says telephone. Okay. So hello, hello. Were you born in the seventies? Raise your hand. Okay. Um, uh, but there's just so much information that, that it can, it can get a little scary. And I know a lot of people have family members who are, um, getting to the point of becoming addicted to never believing there's always more, right? That, that we, we can't ever land at truth. I don't know if this is a psychological thing. I don't know if this is a soul thing, but it, it scares me that some people can get to the place where they just, we're getting to the point where you can't believe anything. Nobody will, is believing anything. And so there's always something more. There's always more truth. Do you think that there's a danger in um, in not being able to, to, to stand on your two feet on something that you believe can be true and that there's always something more. I don't know if any of that makes sense, but some people yeah. would call it, you know, you know, conspiracy theories. Some people would call it, you know, just people that are addicted to information, whatever. Talk to me a little bit about maybe what that, what role that's playing in our development as humans right now. Yeah. I mean, I think the whole idea of like conspiracy theories is a mass, that's a very scary yeah. um, aspect and very concerning. But I think that is, I think those are people that are believing in something without that desire to look for the truth, right? Mm. They think they found it very, very quickly. Yeah. Um, and then there are people that are kind of have an overwhelming need to continue to analyze, to look because there is so much information and they yeah. don't trust themselves to be able to parse it apart and be able to realize like, what do I stand for? What do yeah. I feel good about? Um, because that's a, that's something that we really haven't had to do before is to be able to on our own two feet decide yeah. this is what I trust um, and not everyone else is going to agree with me. And mm. that's really scary. And so sometimes it's easier to land in the I don't know or the uncertainty uh -huh. so that you don't have anyone to disagree with yeah. or anyone that is going to oppose you because you're kind of wavering in the middle, um, which I think that maybe more people have a hunch of where uh -huh. to go, but they're not trusting themselves and what they yeah. want because they're scared of maybe isolating themselves from people and other beliefs. Or, you uh -huh. know, I think they're, they'll look for the loudest, the loudest voices and want to follow those people yeah. um, and listen to that and trust that because it is the loudest. But I think with so much information available, that we're starting to see like human psychology at a very basic level come out where really? being able to parse, you know, parse through information at a very mass level and decide individually what is important to me and mm -hmm. what's not important. What yeah. can I get rid of? How is my time valuable here? Like, yeah. should I be wasting time on this or not? Like, what are my values and priorities yeah. in life? Um, and deciding that and, I think also to dovetail into that is that yeah. when people believe that they've found that truth, it's kind of becoming hateful and mm. so against the other people that they don't believe have are in the same right, mindset right. as them. And that's the scary part that comes out. And um, 
it's that we're not able because there's so much information that we're not able to just have open conversations about it because we have that conversation the next day there's a new huge realm of information that's come out and it's like well what do we do with this we either ignore it or we kind of have to consolidate it and it's it's confusing it's confusing to say that i understand it would be a huge um, sure (laughs) oversight i'm i'm just as confused as everyone else yeah i think what at a human level it comes down to what feels right for me right Uh now and what am i kind of resonating with and you know and trust and having to trust certain people and resources and information, uh-huh. which is scary, you know, yeah. it's scary to kind of put that out there and hope and then recognize when you're wrong, you know, yeah, and that's understanding so good. and, and beginning to like, okay, maybe I, I should not have trusted that learning from that. And uh-huh. I'm going to pivot you yeah. know, and kind of adjust, adjusting Gosh. as you go. That's a th- I mean, that just that statement in and of itself is recognizing when you're wrong. You know, there, there's been mm-hmm. two or three things this last year that I was completely convinced about. And then, you know, kind of the whole world realized, oh, actually that wasn't right. And so, um, (laughs) but but I feel like, you know, where we, where we have to get to as again, as humans is being a, being okay with being wrong and B being okay with somebody else being wrong. You know, I, I, I think that we've gotten to a place where we want to, if someone else is wrong that we disagree with, we want to point a finger and go, aha, you were wrong. Instead of being okay with them being wrong, because guess what? You're going to be wrong about things as well. And I think if we can get to that place, you know, relationships are, are oh going to, are going to get so much better. So, I mean, that's the key, right? That's, that yeah. is everything here. I think that's, and that's what I resonate so much with you is all about, like, I think at, at some point it comes down to human connection yeah. and recognizing with all the information, all these resources, all this, like underneath it all, there's human beings. Right. Yeah, and like yeah. that, that's it. That's we connect as human beings. Yeah. There's someone who's writing this. There's someone who's posting this. There's someone who is thinking this, like just go to the human level. Yeah. When you get to the human level, that's where we connect. Like most people would not say or think things about one person if they were sitting down to coffee with them. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's where we have to kind of come back mentally to reminding ourselves of yeah. is that behind it all and underneath it all, we're all just humans doing yeah. the, most of us doing the best that we can. Some yeah. not so much, but right. most, of us, <laughs> most of us really trying. No, it's so good. And you know what, what you're doing again on your Instagram account is, is, is so helpful. I've, I've already shared so many of your posts to, oh, to, so to friends that I'm like, oh my gosh, read this. This is helpful. So again, um, listeners, make sure that you're going and following Carolyn and everything that she's doing. You have been so, so helpful. This is, you've been so gracious with your time. Uh, I, I'm going to go ahead and say, maybe you can be like our human hope psychologist. You could just be the one that I call upon. I, I love it. You just call, you just like phone a friend, phone a psychologist. Yes, like. there it is. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I love it. I, well, I love th- it. thank you just so much. It's, it's been an thank honor to have you. you on here. And, and I know that you, what, one thing you've done is give a lot of people hope and given a lot of people, including myself, the ability to take a deeper breath than maybe I thought I could take. Like, okay, actually, it's going to be okay. So thank you, Carol. It is, is going to be okay. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It was a lot of fun. There it is, Dr. Carolyn. Thanks so much for hanging out with us here at Human Hope. And hopefully you guys got a lot out of that. I know I, I mean, it literally shifted my brain when I'm thinking about video games, when I'm thinking about anxiety, when I'm, when I'm thinking about a lot of so much stuff like my brain is shifted now um it was so good it was so good 
Well, Human Health Familia, do me a favor. Uh, go follow Dr. Carolyn on Instagram again. That's Carolyn Rubenston. Uh, she, I'm, I'm pronouncing her name differently now that I know know how to pronounce it. I was mispronouncing it at the beginning of the show. That's C A R O L Y N. R-U-B-E-N-S-T-E-I-N-P-H-D. Uh, you can also head to her web website, which is the same name, dot com. She just has so much good stuff for us. So I don't know. What do you guys think? Let's let's have her be our resident human hope psychologist. I want to talk to her every day. Hey friends, next week it is going to be officially. 52 episodes. That means next week is officially one year of Human Hope Podcast episodes. We're going to have a party next week. P-A-R-T-Y. So please, next week, go ahead and like bring your margaritas, your Palomas, your Michelob Ultras, whatever it is, or, or whatever. If you don't drink, you know, your Shirley Temples. Um, and I don't know, maybe a party popper, a little party hat. We're going to have a party. One year officially of Human Hope podcast episodes now we're past a year like on the on the calendar but this is 52 weeks next week guys i can't wait it's gonna be fun thank you thank you please share this with as many people as you can rate the show on the platform that you listen to and make sure you leave a review it really helps other people find the show and it helps me know that you're loving the show all right that is it i i don't want it to end because the music, listen to it. Are, are you feeling it? Like, do you feel Dr. Delight? I'm going to turn this up. Let's end with just us bouncing our shoulders. Ready? Two, three, four. See you next week. Bounce, 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 bounce. Come on, come on. 